Broadcasting live from the only eyeliner accurate Batman, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I'm Vengeance. <laughs> you scared me. That was the creeping out of the rainy darkness. It's Dr. <laughs> Movies himself. Uh, I am Garrett Strother, and before we talk about Matt Reeves' The Batman... We're going to get into a few pieces of news real quick. Yeah, let's jump right into it. Starting off with the very sad news, actually, that Bruce Willis is retiring from acting after he has gone public with his aphasia diagnosis. Yeah, this is something that has kind of been in the rumor mill for a while that Willis was having problems with processing and memory and things like that. Mm. And it's sad to see that it's true, especially because I think... It's really a shame that he's somebody who's been, I think, really lampooned in, in recent years for the caliber of the projects that he's picked when mm. um, I think that there it, there's obviously... I'm impressed a lot of the time that he shows up in stuff because even though um, it can seem like he's phoning it in, I think he's still doing... He's doing what Bruce Willis is supposed to yeah, most of exactly. the time, I would argue. Yeah, it's a real shame. Some of my favorite movies ever, Bruce Willis movies. I mean, Die Hard is just that like, is that's the if movie. there was a, a short list of if I had to pick like top five movies I had to watch for the rest of my life, that would probably make it up there. That's one of the perfect movies. Absolutely, Looper. He is great in, and that movie's entirely contingent on him. Hudson oh, yeah. Hawk is a film that I love very much. That I think doesn't get talked about very often. Uh, Pulp Fiction. He's in Pulp Fiction as well. He's in that movie. Isn't yeah, he? he is one of the stars of that movie. He's great. I mean, he like you said, he's kind of always like an irreverent, kind of rough around the edges, brawler type. But like he he you know hits the nail on the head with that kind of stuff. And it is sad that he has to kind of be removed maybe before he wanted to or or something of the like but i feel for him i pray for him i that is not something aphasia is is truly a, a it sounds like a nightmare and i i feel I, just awful about it these things it's weird when they happen because even though it's horrible and obviously it sounds really debilitating for him it's nice to find time to celebrate people's careers before mm-hmm. they're they're dead you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. Like, that they actually like when Bob Odenkirk was having his really bad health scare, and everybody kind of got rallied around, you know, Bob Odenkirk celebrating him as a person and his career. That he got to actually see that and witness that. Yeah, and I think that's definitely what's going to happen here. It's it's only going to highlight more his his incredible work that uh, we can appreciate him directly for right now. I think. But moving on to our next piece of news, it is right back around to the only thing we ever talk and care about. It's the Fast and the Furious, and the news that Brie Larson has now been cast uh, to join the newest chapter of the Fast Saga. Fast 10. Seamus, I know you've got your uh, your theories about who she's going to be playing. Also, she's, I, what, the third... Academy Award winner to join the cast of the Fast and the Furious after Charlie Theron and Helen Mirren. <laughs> it truly is just like a stamp of Hollywood at this point, you know? Let's just like see how many people we can get in here before this this series wraps up, which will maybe be never if the Hobbs and Shaw just keeps going and stuff. Because but... technically there's supposed to be 11, 
right? There's supposed to be 11 right. main Right, it's a two-part finale yeah. with Fast 10 starting it. And it, it's interesting because Vin is always, not that I want to completely derail this into a complete Fast and the Furious talk, <laughs> Vin Diesel's always posting about, like, Fast 10 as the finale, and I'm really mm-hmm. curious about, are they going to brand it as Fast 10 Part 1 and Fast 10 Part 2? I almost hope they do. I know he's he, the the passion really does come through on those you know social media posts that he he kind of like feel almost feels like he goes rogue on and just like <laughs> furiously types while his publicist is trying to like break down a door. But I it I, I feel so genuine when I read those. You know when he's speaking about it. So I hope it is just like an actual two part finale and not just like two more movies that will be kind of branded as that finale. But what is your, what's your Brie Larson theory? Hit us. with. Oh it. yeah. Okay. So my, uh, my take is that it's gotta be uh, the long lost sister of Cypher, Charlize Theron's character. And uh, she's going to come into the fold, maybe as a, a bad guy at first, maybe as like a neutral party, but is obviously going to align herself with, uh, the family with Dom and uh, personally, I think it is going to be a love interest with John Cena. How, however weird that is going to look on screen. Well, and it's always it's... weird when one half of you know a couple on screen is invisible. So that's going <laughs> exactly. to look pretty yeah, weird. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's just it's all CGI at that point. You know, it's <laughs> it's like in Fast Seven when. <laughs> the Rock and Vin Diesel are clearly not in the same hospital room, but <laughs> it's just an invisible person there instead. Uh, uh, I think it's Brian's sister, personally. That's my. I think that could be because has he he's talked about his sister? I mean, I don't. Th- I thought I remembered that, but I looked into it and I couldn't find anything. If it's not established, I feel like it would be kind of weird if it's like, oh yeah, it's me, Brian's sister, Brie Larson, coming into the adventure like ten years in, but. At the same time, spoilers for Uncharted 4, <laughs> I feel like that can work, I think, because I think the the trouble that they're going to find is obviously Mia is still around, uh, Brian's mm-hmm. wife, Paul, Paul Walker's character's wife, so she kind of is a presence for that, but I think that they need to find a way for the finale to really bring Brian back in without being mm-hmm. disrespectful and like, d- like doing that fully right yeah and so i i would like to see maybe them because she kind of looks like paul walker she's about the right age to be sure yeah paul walker's little sister and i would be interested to see how they could like incorporate her as like a brian-esque character Without... Like like that avatar, kind of a substitute for what Brian was in the in the family. Without, yeah. like you said, just like doing a zombie CGI thing, which is just like way far past appropriate at this point. But I do think that your theory about her being Cipher's sister is really interesting because I think that would be a fitting. You know, everybody has family. Everybody yeah, yeah. is family. That you you could bring everybody just like the Shaw brothers, you could bring anybody into the fold, you know, and and it would be an interesting flip flop of like Cipher using Dom's brother. Now it's gonna be like Dom and family using Cipher's sister to be like, come on, don't don't, I don't know, blow up all the cars in the world. What could they, what could she possibly be doing in this next one too? Like <laughs> what I know is she we talk doing about in the like, other ones. I don't remember. She's trying to. Uh, 
get an energy weapon, I think, at one point. <laughs> like a satellite beam weapon. And uh, there's a. There's the magnet cars. Thing. Something with the magnet cars is happening in Because she can control all the cars. I don't know. She's oh, gonna... yeah, she wants to control all the cars. Right. You're right. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> oh, well. Whatever it's going to be. Yeah, because we, we always talk about, like, what's the next big stunt going to be? But, like, what could they possibly... What could the, I guess uh, they still didn't find Kurt Russell. Maybe she's, like, torturing him on an island somewhere, and they got to do an escape I from Charlie Stern. But he's still Yeah, missing. come on! No! <laughs> uh, how insane do we sound to, to normal people that don't oh, care God. about the Fast and the Furious? Two um, broken brain fellows just reminiscing about the worst night of their life. But also the best... Ah, oh, truly, I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> Neither can. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for our upcoming Vin Diesel marathon. So. Oh, into the Diesel verse, I'm ready. Lastly, uh, you're gonna have to explain this to me, Seamus. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know what's going on? I was an absolute fool, and I have to eat my words on this a little bit because I, uh, as well as a Kingdom Hearts fan, I'm a Persona fan, and with their, they had a recent 25th anniversary persona celebration everyone's like all right they're gonna announce some fun stuff obviously we got nothing because they 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 do they don't care about us garrett but just yesterday was the kingdom hearts 20th anniversary and my cynical self said you know we're gonna get nothing there's nothing coming for us that'll be years before we get anything but i was so wrong because kingdom hearts 4 was announced and got a gameplay trailer in one day which was just an absolute surprise and of course there's a uh kingdom hearts missing link which is a new mobile game for ios and android which i'm definitely not going to care about but it's uh, it's kind of huge news, Garrett. It's it's shaking. It's shaking the gaming world, and now more than ever, I really want you to get into the Kingdom Hearts series because, well, you got at least like five years before this game ever comes out, anyway. <laughs> so there, you have time. You have time to catch up. I do want to because I I understand that if I make it to the third game, uh, Buzz and Woody do anime. Yes. So yes, dude. Come on. <laughs> Woody is like like having a showdown with like the king of darkness at this at one point. It's crazy. You use Mike Wazowski as a bowling ball at some point. It's it's incredible. So I mean, I, I definitely am interested. I started the first one once, didn't understand what was going on, then stopped like an hour in. Yeah, same here. It is. I I totally get that. It's nonsense. It is the most nonsense series that I've ever deeply loved, and that says a lot because I love. We just finished talking so about much. the yeah. Fast and the Furious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't want to spoil too much about Kingdom Hearts Four, which is like the hundredth game in this series, <laughs> but. There is a little, I choose to believe the rumors and the hype, but there's like one single frame of one shot of this trailer where somebody zoomed in and enhanced enough to be like, that to me looks like an Imperial AT-AT walker leg. No, they're going to Disney Infinity Kingdom Hearts? Well, that Kingdom Hearts truly is just the insane nth degree of disney infinity <laughs> disney owns all now they're gonna put in a avengers world and a star wars world and well it's it's gonna be nonsense here's a thing that makes me sound like a loser 
uh, <laughs> in the third Disney Infinity entry. So in the first two Disney Infinity entries, the ultimate unlock, which is what you got for having all of the characters. In the first game, it was a lightsaber. And in the oh, second nice. game, it was Luke's Landspeeder. And then obviously in the third game, they just brought in all of Star Wars. So the right, ultimate right. unlock in Disney Infinity 3, which was the last one they made, mm-hmm. was the Kingdom Hearts Keyblade. Oh my god, that is incredible. Holy crap. So it's is... all coming full circle. The Disney Infinity characters are just going to fall <laughs> into the Kingdom Hearts verse. And... Uh, I wouldn't put it past them. The references, Garrett. You would the, you would be in heaven. It is. It, there's so much. And James Woods always there for some reason he's like the only guy who's in every single game as hades and hercules uh, i understand the actors were paid seamus but anyway kingdom hearts 4 it's big it's big news i there was along with this gameplay trailer which was insanely impressive just visually uh there was a message that came with it from the developers at square enix that said hey this was all like, you know, pre-alpha captured footage, whatever, but it's all getting scrapped and we're moving everything from the Unreal 4 to the Unreal 5 Whoa! for an engine. So that is crazy. That that so, was, was a big slap in the face there. So all the beauty and the cool stuff I saw is just going to be even more beautiful and going to take boy, so much gonna, more time. I can't wait for it to come out on the PS7 and 12K. <laughs> Oh, I think I think Kingdom Hearts three was announced in like twenty thirteen and didn't come out until like twenty eighteen or something. <laughs> Sounds like we got plenty of time for me yeah. to I'll uh, I'll work force through. you to <laughs> watch Donald be the canonical most powerful <laughs> wizard in the Final Fantasy universe and just have to explain <laughs> that. Uh well, that is all fascinating, and I don't understand any of it. But I'm I'm vaguely <laughs> interested in finding out more. So one day you once you like play the first one, you'll just be hooked enough. Don't worry. But that's the thing. I have to play every other video game I'm supposed to play before that. Lego Star Wars came in today. Seamus, it's <laughs> oh sitting next God. to my PlayStation. I know that has couch co-op. You know I'm coming over to play some of that. <laughs> better hurry. We better rush through <laughs> this Batman talk. Oh my God! Yeah, let's do it. For today's main segment, we're going to be talking about Matt Reeves' The Batman, which it seems like has been years in the making for this podcast, because how long have we been talking about Paul Dano's The Riddler, Zoe Kravitz, his <laughs> Catwoman? Truly, it seems like forever. You, you're not wrong. It's you know I've been pretty hyped about it, too, since it was announced, if I'm being honest, and I think... Uh, uh, it was a it was a very interesting and very cool follow through on what seems like years of hype. Overall thoughts: I thought that it was pretty good. I didn't like it wasn't the everything I wanted it to be, but also I think I've just reached a point in my life where no superhero movie will be able to get to like <laughs> truly like fulfill something for me. Like what what is the pinnacle of superhero movie? That is it, The Rocketeer. No, no, it's not. I mean, I love the Rocketeer. I mean, also they'll never make the Rocketeer again. That will never. Of course like, not. We got pretty close with First Avenger, but I think that we've just reached this place where, even as good as this movie was, and dark and interesting and funny, I really, actually, I really appreciated that it was really funny without being like quips. Mm-hmm. We're doing quips now, you know, like. No, yeah, the humor was great. It still just feels like we're we're dressing up like a good movie in a bat suit 
and I say that as somebody who really enjoyed and liked this movie. It just feels like it's just it's just not quite all the way something I can take seriously. Okay, you, I haven't I didn't answer your question, which was what is the what pinnacle was my question? of the superhero? Oh movie? yes, <laughs> honestly, like somewhere my dad's stomach just turned Batman eighty nine probably for me. Like, does your dad I, not like Batman eighty nine? He, he's scared of the Joker. It's a thing. We'll talk about uh, it later. Honestly, um, <laughs> a scary Joker. Jack Nicholson um, is an insane person in that movie. Like, scared enough of that version of the Joker that he has not watched any movie that has the Joker in it since 1989. <laughs> wow. That, that is impactful. Exactly. Batman 89 is so good. I mean, in terms of, like, comic book to film translation in in a time like 1989, where, it, I don't know, it, it, it is a pretty perfect I, superhero film. I, I rescind a little bit I with a caveat of these are the most basic answers, but I think they're the correct ones. Spider-Man 2 and also Spider-Verse. Yeah, okay. Um, Because I think, I think all three of them hit different elements of they're not trying to masquerade as anything else is what mm-hmm. I think really works about all three of them. And they're all three definitively of their time. Batman 89 is unapologetically like this insane gothic hellscape. Where yeah, yeah. nothing makes sense, it's all a cartoon, but it plays very well within its own rules, and it's not beholden to any kind of lore. Like, imagine if Batman 89 came out today and they did the whole thing where Joker killed Batman's oh, yeah, parents. Like, that would... People that would, would lose their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. In that movie, it is so natural the way they do that, too. It's not pretending it's anything else than it is. It is silly and campy and creepy and gross and... Mm-hmm. and it's putting on no airs. It's not self-important. It's just what it is, which is kind of similar to Spider-Man 2, but in the opposite way. Like, there's still camp, and there's still... Mm-hmm. I mean, Raimi is the master of, of camp, really, and I'm so interested in the way that Spider-Man 2 is unapologetically, like, the inverse of Batman 89, where it's hopeful, and, I mean, it's a 9-11 movie without... Any holes oh, barred in the yeah. movie? For a second, I thought you were talking about Batman 89, and I, I took a step, but no, you're you're 100% right. And again, it's not pretending to be anything it's not. It's about heroism and celebration, and it's a patriotic parallel, but it's also like just a solid coming-of-age story about... We, we've talked about spider-man 2 on the podcast <laughs> like, like is it official like Wait, episode did we, did we do that we i don't about think doing so it. no 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 maybe we, before we should of madness we should finally do it because do a whole do a whole spider watch i would i would do a whole spider watch just i i think it just works on on that level and then finally spider-verse where it's responding to the idea of superhero culture and so it's not putting on the the costume of like anything else other than it's taking all of the different aspects uh, of the superhero craze superhero culture and and distilling Mm -hmm. them down to what does it mean to be a hero and what does it mean to identify yourself as a hero and to see yourself in your heroes and all of that i think is just so brilliant in its simplicity all three of the examples Mm -hmm. i think are so unabashedly their own stuff as opposed to, you know I like Marvel and you know I like the other stuff, even though I complain about it all the time. 
it, 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 we just have this problem where it's all about what's next. It's all about the tease. It's all about the the setups and the lore. It's either that or it's the opposite almost of like what mostly what DC does, which is I say what this movie does, but it does it better than most other DC things is trying to impersonate another genre with a superhero film. I love Nolan's Dark Knight movies. They're doing like Heat, but they're Batman. And it's it's Gotham, but it's just Chicago. The Gritty reboot, it was 2005 or slash 2008. I get it. I can't, you know, <laughs> go back four months on the podcast and, and yeah. like play back the clip of how much Casino Royale broke new ground and everything else. And, and then completely dismiss the grittiness, the rebootness of the Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight mm. trilogy. But it's all of this like dressing up as some kind of different movie. And I think Batman movies especially are, are guilty of this. I mean, Joker, we talked about that at <laughs> yeah. length. It's like, I almost forgot about Joker. What if a Scorsese movie, but Joker but for some Joker, reason? Yeah. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't connect. It feels like we're, we're putting on our dad's shoes, but we're wearing our Batman pajamas still. And we're just kind of clomping around in them. <laughs> that being said, I thought this movie was awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, man. It's, I, I loved the action and the characterization of Batman. And I thought it like the detective stuff, it, not all of it worked for me, which we'll talk more about in spoilers, especially in the third act. Mm. But I think I liked this as much as I could have liked any Batman movie right now is what all of that long winded <laughs> hemming and hawing is to say. I I like your take. I like it a lot because I am, I am fully on the Battinson train at this point. I think I've, I've seen it twice now and I think that the problems that I have with it are forgivable enough in a way structurally where I'm like, yes, this movie is maybe a half an hour too long with a subplot line that could be entirely cut, which I know we will get into on exactly what we both know what I'm talking about later, but for the tone of it and the, the, the kind of movie that it is, I feel like I, I was just so my soul was sucked dry by Batfleck and the justice league and the Snyder cut and all the Batman v Superman stuff that I was just like, and you know, there are good parts of Ben Affleck's Batman that I won't ever deny, but it was just such a, a gray, you know, to use a DC thing. It's such a gray, colorless, lifeless feeling Batman. And once we get to, to Matt Reeves over here, we're, we're in a place where I think Batman could have been 10 years ago if they wanted to lean into things that made it more. And you know, that is to say that it could feel, again, like it's masquerading in a way as something, since it's coming out now, that it is is not. But I just think it was it was almost like, it, oh, it's about time. We are finally getting some more of the detective things. It's it's a middle ground of a Batman era where we're, we don't have to fully rehash, like, the complete origins, but we're not necessarily in, like super duper prime territory it's it's interesting enough in the way that they execute this i suppose era in bruce wayne slash batman's life that we haven't really seen before in any of the the batmans that we've seen that i think that it might be 
top three Batman for me. I guess that's not saying much. Maybe top two Batman for me. I, I think this was fantastic, and I, I'm really excited to see whatever whatever's coming out next in this version of Batman. I think where I have a hard time with Batman specifically, we were talking about superhero mm. movies in general, but how dark do you go? And how and what kind of dark do you go? With this movie, I think it's too dark. And not that it bothers me that it's mm. as dark as it is, but I, I think it comes back to that idea of like, we're just doing a serial killer movie here. Yeah, it is, it is Zodiac. Calling Batman Zodiac is like calling Ant-Man Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> like, it's not... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's not fair to the thing you're comparing it to, but it's clearly, you know... And influence. I just don't understand how I fully feel about, like... Because The Dark Knight... I think this movie's darker than The Dark Knight in, in a lot of ways. 89, I think, is a very good mix of camp and and darkness. Then Nolan, like, stripped it away. He stripped away the camp. Batman begins less so. Then we, we're back to this, like, Batman that more resembles a comic book Batman, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that I'm really glad to finally see this take on Batman, this detective take on Batman. Because Batman is inherently a dark character, but there's also, I think, refusing to acknowledge the more fun, silly, dumb parts of the character, I think do it a disservice. I really liked it. I've really enjoyed it. I know it's. I know I keep saying that and then saying things I didn't like about it. We haven't even but, talked about uh, Greg Fraser shooting this movie and it being one of the best looking movies I've seen in years. Oh, and also totally. who just won an Oscar for shooting Dune, one of the other best blockbuster looking blockbusters I've seen in years. Yeah, I visually it was stunning. The the light work for for how much people were clowning on this movie for being so visually dark. I think the light work was off the charts. It was astounding. I think that is one of the best parts about this entire like the set design specifically was just like the incredible way that they played with the light and the darkness. The street lights, the 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 glow of of just like night life in Gotham City. It, it was it was it was great going to be interesting to see this on a television. I want to know how they uh, mm. kind of account for that. Because a lot of the time, you know, you, you watch a movie at home now on a Blu-ray or on streaming. And they've not messed with the sound. They've not mm. fixed the sound to adjust it for home theater viewing. And I, I worry that this movie, they might not adjust to look as good on a television as it does on the big screen. Because it looks fantastic on the big screen. Yeah, I hope it doesn't lose any of that luster when it comes to home video, because I definitely want to get, like, a nice 4K of this movie at some point. Um, Warner Brothers, they do good work, usually. Yeah, so my, yeah, my, yeah. my fears are probably unfounded. Like, the Dune Blu-ray release was excellent. Ooh, that's another thing I gotta get on my show. Two movies with... The, I thought the soundtrack for the Batman was astounding. The the theme that is running through the whole movie for, for Batman himself was was incredible. I loved it. Yeah, and Giacchino, I mean, he's a modern master. He's John Williams. I don't know if I can honestly think of a more prolific working, other than John Williams, composer. Maybe Alan Silvestri, but even then, like, Giacchino's been doing work for 20 years that it seems like he's touched everything. And things I just forget that he's done, like the biggest things you can think of. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Sky High, obviously. Sky, really? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of his. I think that was one of his like first big. No kidding. Big scoring. R. Pat's very good. I like him a lot. Oh yeah, totally. I think he is wonderful. Zoe Kravitz is really, really good. I mean, I think she is a incredibly gifted physical actor. Like, I think her body language. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of things that are very visually motivated. I would say even more visually motivated than this film. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road and uh, Kimmy, Steven Soderbergh. Right, I yeah. that a few weeks ago. She's a really good choice for Catwoman because I think she is so aware of her physicality. But no, I agree. I think the performances were outstanding. I think um, our boy Felix Leiter is absolutely oh. like the best Commissioner Gordon of he, all time. Jeffrey Wright is. is Jeffrey Wright is maybe the goat Commissioner Gordon at this point. Because I think he hits it exactly in between all the other Commissioners mm-hmm. Gordon. Where <laughs> yes, Gary Oldman is too meek. He's too. He's not. He's like very politician cop kind of feeling almost towards yeah. towards the, the end of his stuff. He's this like family man that can't quite, he's not quite cut out for the, the rough and tumble Gotham. And that wor- that version of that character works for the Nolan films. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. say that it's worse necessarily for that film because I think he does a really good job in those films. And Gary Oldman specifically is good. And then you have the old Commissioner Gordons from like your 89s and your, and your 66s yeah, where... Um... He's just, just, like, kind of there. He doesn't really do much. But they're these big and brash policemen, like, lawmen. And I think Wright does a really good mix of, he's a good man with a good heart. He just really wants to clean up clean up this city and do a good job. <laughs> yeah. But also, he's tough. I yeah, like he's that like he's like tough. In it. He, he's, like, getting into the shootouts. He's going to the crime scenes with Batman and... You know, growling in Batman's face, he's like, "You, you gotta get it together." I, I, we're, we're getting into we're getting into spoilers again. I'm sorry. Jeffrey Wright is really one of my favorite working actors. I'll say yeah. that. This is gonna completely shout out a different movie right now. His <laughs> part of the French Dispatch is like my favorite movie Dispatch. of last year. He is amazing. He, I mean, it's not literally my favorite movie of last year, but he he makes that film. His performance makes that entire movie for me. Oh, I seriously, I had no idea he was even in that movie, so yeah. I, I I I need to see it. I for that reason and many others, but I love Jeffrey Wright too, and I think that I can't wait to see him again as as more uh, Jim Gordon as we go down the line here. But yeah, let's uh what do you say we get into the old Batman of it all? The I old think spoiler we have section. to. I think we have to Ave Maria uh and all yes, that, you indeed. know. Uh, before I forget, first thing of spoilers at the end credits of this movie, not the end end credits, but when they're doing the music copyrights, there is Ave Maria performed by Paul Dano oh, yeah. in the credits. That I, I, just I saw that as well. Loved it. Great chuckle for that. Uh, I mean, you've got to do it just like how at the end of Austin Powers, Meow Mix performed by Mike Myers is there. Is that really yeah. out there? That's so you got to do your music that. licensing, bro. You got to. <laughs> oh, you got to. You got to. Oh, what a what a film. Yes, Paul Dano, I think, is maybe the coolest, weirdest Riddler I've ever seen. He's definitely a far cry from Jim Carrey. Is Riddler, though I do love that green spandex and cane. Don't get me wrong, that is, I'm all about it. But like insane terrorist video streamer, Riddler is totally doing it for me. 
like many things about this movie, I'm kind of two minds about it. Where I love the Riddler as a character. He's one of my favorite Batman rogues. And I really like how bombastic he is, usually how theatrical he is. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of miss that. I Again, like so many other things when we're gridifying everything. I kind of miss, like, the class and and the zaniness of the Riddler. Yeah, that zaniness is translated into, like, real psychotic mass shooter yeah. territory in this one. Which, again, I, I appreciate it for the, you know, weird freshness to that character. But you're not wrong when it's like, I like the bowler hat. I like when, like, I feel like for as much as I liked this Riddler, it was very not riddle forward in a way exactly they joker him a little bit in that it's more like you're the only one that is smart enough to to beat (laughs) me so i'm obsessed with you and i'm like didn't we just do this like 15 movies in a row with like well i mean if we're here already we might as well shout out the the mysterious man that's something i've been wanting to really (sighs) dig in on because yeah. I hear your size. I agree with your size because I, I, I cocked my head to the side in the theater when I when this happened, but the I I if nothing else I appreciate the level of restraint. If they were gonna do Joker, they did it with a level of restraint where it wasn't just like the end credit scene is just a full shot of the Joker and full Joker makeup and suit with a revolver that says bang with a flag gun and he's got. Harley Quinn on his arm or whatever. It's just like, we know he's there. We already know he was there because of the Joker gang stuff that is established right off the bat. But from the Joker stuff we do get, we know that the Joker has already done his thing more or less and that he'll come back around eventually or we'll get a prequel about it. But we're not doing a Joker origin and a Batman origin right now. But Seamus, but why? But why do we need it? Well, you him? know why. I don't necessarily... I, they could have cut that entire thing and... Well, you saw the deleted scene, I'm assuming. I was about to bring that up. Seeing that deleted scene and just thanking God that it was a deleted scene and that they ended up not doing that, I think my consolation of our, our Joker tease is good enough for me at this point, you know? Because it would almost be too weird if they didn't bring him up at all, you know? If, we're, if we, we got the penguin in here which i mean we'll shout out uh farrell's good i'll i'll eat my words about uh i was gonna say he's great i think he's very funny i think he's very big yeah i don't think anybody else could have maybe brought that kind of insane energy to it that he does (laughs) yeah but i still i just don't get why like i know it's because we as a culture just have to fixate on this character for of the some penguin? reason for Joker. Oh, Joker, yeah. Joker. And I just yeah. wish... I wish I cared even a little bit, and I just don't. And I, <laughs> I, I know every time we talk about Batman on this stupid show, I talk about the stupid Joker for 15 minutes. <laughs> but I hate it. I'm like, why yeah, do we I, have to keep dragging ourselves back into this? I, I agree with you completely. I think if they... They could have not had Joker in this at all, like the series that they're setting up for Pattinson here. But I, I think that it's almost too big of an elephant in the room. If they're going to do him at all, I appreciate that they're like they're just like putting him in the middle of it, and we're not gonna put on airs about like yeah, like yes, there's the Joker. We'll get to it eventually. Slash, it already happened, so don't worry about it. And in 15 years, 
in live action. <laughs> oh, this no. is our fourth version in 15 years. In so 15 that would be years. that would be um, Heath Ledger, uh, the guy from Gotham. Are you counting him? Nope. I'm not. I'm actually not counting the guy from Gotham. So here, that, <laughs> throw another, throw another one on the pile. Cal Kestis himself. Not, <laughs> technically not Joker per se. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> um, it's Joker. I, it's the it, Joker. It's Come just on. like it's just like dressing up and being like, well, I'm. Ooh, I'm not really. You know, like I'm. Oh yeah, my middle name's Robin. Shut up. Like yeah. yeah. Oh, so stupid. God, I hated that. But so that's I, from and, not this movie. That's Dark. <laughs> of course. Anybody who's confused at home. I'll I'll break them down for you since you can't get them, Seamus. It's it's I Ledger. Know Jared Leto's there it's too. It's Gotham. It's Leto. It's Joaquin. Right, Joaquin. And, and now it's now, now it's our boy, fellow, ba- Barry um, Keo, the guy from Eternals or whatever. I don't know. I've never seen him before. I don't think. I haven't either, really. I don't think. And uh, you know, if, if anything, you know, them just like throwing a bone to the Joker freaks and being like, just we'll get it, we'll get around to it. Yeah, I'll I'll take that, but I'm more hyped about like the setup of what the Penguin's gonna be all about because the Penguin yes. is the most underutilized villain in every other Batman. So now is like the time to shine of like what weird semi grounded people equivalent to the Joker stuff or uh, the uh, the Penguin stuff is he gonna bring in for this next movie to like run his new weird empire? You see, I'm a little. That's the one thing I I was a little disappointed by in the Penguin is that he there's not a lot of Penguin stuff going on. Yeah, he's yeah, just like really a not. Guy. He's like a lackey. I don't mind recontextualizing the Penguin as an underling. I think that's an interesting kind of development, actually. I think it's more like, why isn't the Iceberg Lounge like maybe a little bit themed to something? It's a John Wick nightclub. Then again, I loved the the John Wick nightclub Iceberg Lounge. Just the idea of it being modernized into this like rowdy, and they set up like the drops thing too, which I am that was new to me. I don't know if that's a comic book thing or something, but the whole drops. Yeah, that was like, cool. Club drug, drug yeah. thing I, I was into. I want them to lean a little bit more into it. Just like everything else, I want them to lean a mm. little bit more into the comic book. Because we just did Grounded. We just did it. It was that. It was the Dark Knight series. And yeah, ex- exactly. We got our gritty, like, maybe ex-soldier PTSD Joker. We got our... Like, gangster Joker. Yeah. We, we've we done all of the, like, Grounded stuff. Just make them cartoons again. I don't get it. I don't, like... Like, I was fully ready for, like, Mr. Freeze to show up. Where's Mr. Freeze at, bro? Like, I want, like... Like, you could just make a gun that has something to do with ice and have a Mr. Freeze guy. Like, you can make it semi-grounded-ish. But then I'm like, what's even the point of making it Mr. Freeze? It's the same thing to me. It's like... Yeah. If that's what Matt Reeves is interested in pursuing... Again, I really liked his interpretation of a lot of things. I think Mm -hmm. his Gotham is way more interesting to me than, than Nolan's Gotham, even though... I mean, I love the way that movie shoots Chicago, obviously. Uh, I, yeah, beautifully, you mean? Yeah, me too. Yeah. But I mean, this one, it's got, it's got its Chicago moments in there too. Oh, like we said, there's like the yeah. brown line stop. Yeah, you and I both right clocked the, the brown line and... stop immediately. Oh, like, as it literally says it. like 2L or whatever. Yeah, like, literally... to the loop it says. It's like, there's only one of those, all right? It's not in Gotham City. Yeah, the loop is not in Gotham City, except in, also again, kind of in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, wait stupid... a minute. Did Batman Begins? Um, not stupid. I like Batman Begins. Um, yeah, but it, it's like the upside down tram 
thing in Batman Begins that they crash. It's basic. It's just. It's just the L. It's, it's just the L. There's a scene where Batman just straight up jumps off the the Board of Trade building in this movie. Like it's just the Board of Trade building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Which it was an interesting because that's like the early glider stuff, which mm-hmm. was a a moment that I. I liked. I was a little sad they stepped on it because it was really cool. But and yeah, and I, he crashes. I liked, yeah, I liked the humor of Batman getting into like he would have died for real. He hits himself <laughs> so hard. He jumps off a building with that momentum. Come on. Yeah, I think actually that's the stuff that works for me, and I wish they leaned into a little bit more sometimes of going like full. This is prototype stuff because. He goes in Batman Begins really quickly from, like, I'm not doing anything to I'm Batman, like, full Batman. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, I, I I totally agree. In this one where he's just like, all right, grappling hook, but I have to hurl myself through the window with the grappling hook because I don't have, like, all of my gadget gear is great. Stuff like that. Or just, like, ripping up carpets <laughs> with his bare hands and... I uh, granted he has that uh, that uh, Joker juice serum that he stabs into his leg too, which was like the most high tech thing we kind of saw with him. Yeah, let's talk the third act. I guess probably we've not really talked plot wise much about this movie because it's a lot to kind of dig through. Yeah, it, it, uh, there's a lot of stuff too setting up with like Maroni and Falcone that if you don't really if you're not like super duper aware of that in terms of like. Batman lore, that might get a little muddy, too, because it's very heavy on the Falcone stuff. But then they also change a lot of Batman lore, too, like the this idea of Catwoman being... Oh, yeah, um, I kind of dug that a lot, if I'm yeah. being honest. I thought that was a really interesting oh, way to go about that. As previously established, doesn't bother me if they change stuff up. I welcome it. I think that's cool. Yeah, apparently uh, Batman is part of the Arkham family now. His mom was Martha Arkham. Yeah. That Which, was that was cool. strange. I'm into that. I'm very, very much a fan of the Waynes not being perfect, and not in a Joker way, where it's like, oh, like he's a, he's a duh, 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 duh. we live in a society, blah, blah, blah. No, but it's but, like there's like actual like dirt on the Wayne Corporation and stuff. Yeah, I like that too. Wrestling with that in a way where it's not just like you know Val Kilmer having sad visions about his dead parents for like. Uh, like a couple times throughout that movie because what the choice ultimately is for for bruce in this movie and i think that bruce doesn't act like they they really give him a really solid character arc throughout the film mm. which batman movies forget about a lot of the time and that he goes from wanting i mean he says it at the beginning he's vengeance right he goes from wanting to punish the criminals of gotham for robbing the world of his perfect mm. parents while they stay uh, on the streets. He goes from, like, that mentality to accepting that his parents were imperfect people, but striving to be the kind of guiding light that they stood for. And that's perfectly encapsulated, and I think some of the best bit of Batman writing since The Dark Knight. He starts the movie talking about how he is every shadow. The bat signal is a warning. He could be everywhere. And I think that's a really effective opening Mm. sequence to literally, at the end of the film, guiding people. Like, he's a light in the darkness with the flare out. Yeah, the, people the, flocking the light to of morning on top of the Gotham Center or whatever it is. Like, holding people as they're rescued. Full view, full light of everything. 
And I respect that a lot about this film, mm. is that it's bringing back something that we haven't seen in superhero movies in a long time, which is saving people. I loved that the third act of this movie wasn't uh, a big beatdown with the Riddler. It was making sure that people didn't, more people didn't die, you know? Yeah. And granted, especially in the third act, there's like a, like they do like a good handful of fake out deaths in this movie that get a little much by like the third or fourth one because they really do a turnaround on these fake out deaths like kind of instantly. And that is included in that third act where Batman cuts the electrical wire and falls into the water. And it, it, it did feel a little weird of a moment, especially, I mean, Especially off the back of like the Alfred fake out and I, the let's talk about Alfred. Let's talk about Alfred. What? Because oh, first of all, I appreciate Andy Circus to no end. I think he's great, and the performances he gives, even as a boring butler, are lovely. They could have cut yeah. everything. With Alfred that didn't stuff. need to be in this movie. He really didn't need to be. I don't think. I. I. It was. It was such a strange choice to focus so much of i don't know and then also they don't go back to alfred at the end at all they just leave him in the hospital they don't focus on him enough is the actual problem even though i think they should have just cut that whole storyline because i understand it's supposed to be a, a learning moment for bruce where he realizes that there is actually something he cares about losing he's actually scared of losing alfred yeah and i know that that's the function that that storyline serves in the movie Alfred's not in it enough before that to get me to care about him. And then the movie ends without them reconciling in any way. There's no yeah, there's exactly. no payoff. Like, Alfred gets attacked, and then Bruce goes off and does his thing, and then he has his say goodbye to Catwoman moment. We don't see Alfred again. We don't see him visit him in the hospital. We don't see Alfred come back. That that storyline isn't closed, and I think that's really the, the worst part of this movie, is that it, it's a three-hour movie. We should yeah, talk about the a, fact that... It's a that long one. They needed to find some stuff to cut. I do appreciate, because in Mysteries, I like it to be winding, and I liked how properly winding this mystery was, that there was just mm-hmm. more things happening to figure out, and there was more more threads to pull at. Because I don't, because otherwise the solution presents itself too quickly, and I don't like that. Because I don't like being ahead of a mystery in a film, and mm-hmm. I think I wasn't for the most part. By the end, um, I don't remember what the Riddler has written where it says something, something real on the wall and i figured it out like 10 minutes before batman did and i was like okay can we get to the part where something something real oh when they get to his lair you mean yeah when they get to the riddler's lair and i figured out almost immediately like something about like a real mask or like a real person under the mask yeah but like because they do this whole fake out where you think and it's a pretty effective fake out to be fair oh the one that i actually liked where we are led to believe that the riddler knows who Batman batman is and that's cool and they do that for like 15 minutes and then we figure out who the re- like that really he was trying to talk about the new mayor that he was really talking about the new mayor of Gotham because real yeah because it's real is then like the word that he has written on the wall and so right. I had connected those dots immediately when I saw that and it took Batman fifteen minutes to catch up to me and I was like this is <laughs> I just like I I think it's a cool fake out but you tipped your hand too early movie so mm. now I'm just kind of sitting through the motions of this. Oh, just this is completely non sequiturial from what we were just talking <laughs> okay. about. But I wanted to bring it up because I, I wanted to bring it up earlier during non-spoilers. Was the scene where Catwoman is at the mayor's house breaking into that crime scene and then she and then Batman comes and finds her 
he pulls her behind the wall when he hears a cop and mm-hmm. she, at first she fights him because she thinks like she doesn't understand what's happening and then she realizes that the cop is there and their breathing like sinks up that's so cool you know uh i talk about this a lot um i think i talk about it more off air than i do on the air because we are we are a clean podcast but movies need to have sex in them. I'm a big, mm. like, proponent for that. I think, like, it's so weird to me that we as a culture have put, like, all the most attractive people in every movie. Like, there are no ugly people in movies anymore. But then at the same time, like, none like none of them are ever, <laughs> like, attracted to each other. There's just, like, that's something I actually really liked about Stupid Jungle Cruise is that there was, like, that, <laughs> like, there was, there was, like, in, there was enough sex in Jungle Cruise for you. There wasn't, like, sex in Jungle Cruise, but it, you believe that the leads are actually a little bit attracted to each sure, other and there's like sure. actual moments of of uh you know i miss the mummy is basically what i'm saying that every, oh, don't we all every movie should be more like brendan fraser's the mummy <laughs> i agree <laughs> oh man and honestly this movie you're not wrong i think it's it's the moment you're talking about or right now when when he pulls her to like move away from the cop and there's there is that moment where their breath sinks up and it's like she almost like eases into his grasp uh-huh. a little bit where she's like like the threat that I am fighting against isn't actually the threat that I'm thrashing against right now. It's like I can like be comfortable because this person is trying to help me. And then obviously the fake out kiss moment where he's putting in the stuff and they, into they, her eye. Yeah, they have fantastic chemistry and yeah, so good. There's like actual innuendo and. Because before this, literally the last superhero movie that I can think of that had that effective of uh, sexual tension is The Incredibles. So, like... (laughs) You're not wrong, damn it. It's just nice that we're doing this again, I guess. Yeah, And again, that's why the ending of The Batman was so compelling to me, too, where they're they're parting ways there. Because, you know, obviously she's going to come back. Obviously they're going to meet again down the line. She says she's going off to Bloodhaven, which I think is very interesting. Is that something I didn't understand i didn't know what yes that, meant. that is where nightwing goes to do his nightwing stuff oh. so i'm my guy i got my fingers crossed that she's gonna come back to gotham with like a nightwing boy toy that's gonna make <laughs> bruce wayne jealous and there's instead of like a batman robin boy wonder thing it's gonna kind of be like an adversary thing before they kind of come together a little bit but that's See, just I'd my like, that's I'd just like, my wish list i'd like to do robin but like bring do, Me too. A, do do actual like we haven't had Robin. Yeah, don't do stupid Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin that made me so angry to this day. I hate that version of Robin so much. They're already kind of setting up not necessarily that they're setting up the mayor's son to be Robin oh, per se, right, yeah, but, but they're setting up this idea of Bruce Wayne identifying in mm-hmm. young people going through similar trauma to him. Yeah, I clocked that too. I think that's definitely going to come back around. If not, I hope he's maybe not Robin. directly. I think that'd be too. I, mu- I think that's too on the nose. Agreed. Because I, not, I don't. Want not that. everything has to be a setup to the next thing. It could just be good character moments. You know. I think you're right, though. It shows his empathy specifically in that situation and how he's like. I mean, he's like staring at this boy in the in the movie for a long time until Gordon comes in. Like, we gotta go, man. Like, we gotta get out of here. Hey, Seamus, here's a thought. Um, not all cops are bad. <laughs> because of Jim Gordon? Because no, because of that scene in the... You and I talked about this, like, when we saw the movie a billion years ago. They have that one scene where the Penguin's like, 
I, or is it Falcone? I don't remember who it is. But somebody's like, I own all of you. And then Jordan's like, oh, not yeah. all of us. And then, like, they walk out and there's, like, 30 oh, cops. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's very funny. And it's just very, like... Oh, it's, it's, Christ. It's, because it's not necessarily that I even have a problem with the, the movie trying to, like... Make like there is still some good yeah, out there or whatever. It's but... just that that moment is specifically so pandering yeah. <laughs> of like yes. not all cops, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, movie. Like I get it, you know. Uh, I got it before you did that. Again, it's it's we're putting on our dad's shoes and clopping around in them. Like we can't <laughs> quite get it to be like we can't trust the audience to get what the subtext is. So we have to like really. Yeah. Like we have to, like, we have to sacrifice some of the subtlety, which in doing that sacrifices uh, a lot of the things that would be more interesting to dive in on with more nuance. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. It's it's a very it's a weird feeling moment for sure. Um, especially for having b- before that moment two full hours of like everyone's corrupt, no one is clean. <laughs> it goes all the way to the top, exactly. all, all the way down to this one beat cop who's moonlighting at the at the Iceberg Lounge. It's like, oh, exactly. all right, sure, I guess. We, we've we made it. We've solved the GCPD corruption problem. It's like, no, we didn't. Get out of here. I like that this movie, for the most part, doesn't seem to have easy answers. There's not, like, no, yeah. one thing to do to make everything better in like there's no bomb to stop you know they don't stop the bombs actually in fact that the the gotham floods yeah that is and that I, is true they end this movie with like actual destroy like gotham is devastated and they don't wrap it up in like a way that's like and then wayne enterprises cleaned it all up for free and saved everyone and got all the water out and rebuilt the seawall that's i love two things about that one i love that they established that like wayne literally just doesn't have the money to do stuff which is like they've made (laughs) bruce wayne less rich which i like which is yeah it's an interesting little uh handicap for the batman character to have and it also helps justify like well like the 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 age-old question about batman which is why aren't you just doing social programs and things that would actually help instead of dressing up like a bat and beating people up yeah the whole plot about like renewal is like why don't you just do that for real and not be assassinated about it and you'll be fine and then the second thing is i really hope in whatever inevitable sequel comes out that we have to deal with the fallout of the flood. I hope that it's not just like, wow, that yes. was a crazy couple of weeks. Now, anyway, back to the Joker, you know. No, I think I thought about that exact same thing and about how I think it's in like a few versions of comic book Gotham and in Batman Begins. There's the Narrows, which is like the oh, the yes. flooded part yes. of, of Gotham. And I think that's exactly what they're setting up. That's like, how not is even this something I thought about. To... That's brilliant. They set it up at the end, too, of, like, it's going to get so much worse in Gotham City now, and I think it's going to be like, all right, let's push all of the the dropheads and the fiends into the narrows where it's, like, the least built up after the flood, and it's going to just another theme of social inequality that really is just all around Gotham City, weirdly enough. Huh? Funny how that is. This is a good movie. It really is. It like I, I... agree. I, I Also, a quick shout-out to maybe my favorite car chase i've seen oh, since like baby driver that's I what i was about to bring that up car chase. Yeah. it you and i both saw it in the theater so first yes, the first yes. movie i've been to in i think in 2022 actually and huh. i like 
felt it in my chest, which was so exciting. Like how yeah, it feels man. like the Batmobile is going to explode at any moment. Like, oh, such a cool Batmobile too. It's a rocket engine on the back of like a muscle car. It's it's incredible. Because it feels like he's just like kind of taped it together. It feels like <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel finished. No, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think it's super, like, rudimentary prototype style. And the perspective of the car chase on the Penguin instead of Batman, mostly, where he's just, like, kind of freaking out and, like, talking to himself and screaming, I think it, it ramped up the weird adrenaline of, like, it's it's a car chase, but we're, like, following the prey of the chase. It's not a getaway, per se. It's, like, a hunt. And he, like, yeah. flips him so well. And another moment I am so happy they didn't step on with, like, a goof. The shot of him walking up to the flipped car with the fire behind him is just, I think, maybe one of the most iconic Batman things I've ever seen. Yeah, upside down, the whole bit. (laughs) Just the penguin cowering in fear. It's great. He's a nightmare. He's a sleep paralysis (laughs) demon. It's awesome. It's such an effective image. Yeah, this this film, it just really loses steam in the third act because you, mm. the movie's already been going so long and you're just like, no, I, yeah, they, I guess we do this part now, you know? They, they wrap up the Falcone stuff like it's the ending to the movie and then there's another 30 minutes where they do it again with the Riddler stuff. It's very strangely paced in that last part. There. They needed to find a way to combine them better and they I just think so. didn't. And, and I think that, like, you know, I still think it's a pretty well-written movie and, you know, there's mm-hmm. the old adage about if you have problems in your third act, you have problems in your first act. And I think what it is, is uh, this is set up like, and I not that technically these do- two things don't eventually intersect. You know, the kiss, kiss, bang, bang, classic adage about like, you know, all great detective stories. They have two cases that the detective is working and then they end up to be the same case. That's the mm. whole thing. And they're right. con- they set it up to do that for the entire movie. And then they don't have it quite pay off together. And I don't think it's that necessarily has problems in the first act it's that it has too much there's too yes, much that they have to tie up if they just cut exactly. some subplots and cut some little just extraneous details i think that they could have found a more effective way like have falcone be at the rally or something i don't know like do something where yeah, you yeah. could have your cake and eat it too because i think both endings are good in their own way we just talked about how we'd like batman leading the, leading the masses out of the darkness I'm not wild about the whole, like, punch-out with the Riddler goons. I think it's fine. It's kind of boring. I I enjoy it in that it it was kind of just, like, a freaky, interesting showdown with, like, all of the same masked... Had that weird level of, like, mass shooter realism of, like, alright, they just have, like, hunting rifles and... Like, they went to the army surplus store to get the mask and jacket and they're just, like being led down the oblivion hallway to just massacre people. It was just like a very freaky, interesting kind of showdown. And like you said, it was technically not with the Riddler at all and with 10 Riddlers at once. So it's fun in a, in a very freaky, interesting way. Random things I loved about this movie before we wrap up the thumb drive joke. Excellent. Into it. That is Riddler right there. Yeah, totally. Uh, He's wearing gloves. That's a fantastic one-off where they're worried about the chain of evidence with Batman. Sure, That's super sure. funny. 
Uh, shout out to the the mustache cop guy who's like turns out to just be like kind of a fan of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I like that too. He's I, great. Like side characters in this movie are, are I think actually really solidly written and really yeah, well on point. The the twins, great gag oh, there. That was the my next. That was next on my list. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the twin bouncers of the iceberg. Because um, I saw a tweet that was something along the lines of like. Batman and Uncut Gems both understand that it's just kind of funny to have random characters be twins. <laughs> yeah, they're not wrong, really. They're not wrong. And, oh, and now it's a meme, but I think the entire interrogation scene between Batman and Riddler in Arkham is just super good. I think the way is that, that a meme now? I thought that oh, was yeah. very well done. Well, it's a meme in that. So it, it's it's. I believe it's a TikTok audio predominantly. Seamus and I know you're not. Ah, you're not well. I'm an old fogey. Yeah, go uh, on. In, in in the ways of the Utes, but <laughs> it's like it'll be like, "What did you do? What did you do?" And then the Riddler starts singing Ave Maria. Yeah. So that's good. sure. People sure. Just using that, and it's good. It's a good moment, and I think it tre- it's, it speaks to like. Obviously, at that moment, it's something that sticks with you. That's because it's effective. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. those mo- when you're finally face to face with Paul Dano, it is fantastic. Between that and like, even just silently, they do like a, a tight zoom on his face, watching the explosions go off from mm-hmm. his cell in Arkham, and you can't really hear his audio, but it's just he's. I I think Paul Dano is a damn talent, and I I can't oh, yeah. wait to see him do more Riddler stuff for sure. But anyway, what do you say we wrap up here and move on to our pop culture reference this week? Yes, please. This week's pop culture reference is guerrilla film marketing. Popularized in 1995 by the then unheard of ingenuity of the guerrilla marketing campaign behind the Blair Witch Project, real-world movie tie-ins have now become another way for filmmakers to expand on the world of their stories and interact with their more-than-average fans. Blair Witch utilized missing persons flyers, physical found artifacts, and in-person rumor spreading within the independent film community, not only to sow confusion about the legitimacy of the film's claims of found footage, but to also drive traffic to the Blair Witch website. The website would retain visitors by releasing new folklore associated with the witch, information about the lost student filmmakers, and give exclusive looks into the depths of the ongoing story that the film alone would not. Since those days of underground success that granted Blair Witch its legacy, much larger studios have seen the advantage of catering to a smaller sect of superfans that are willing to engage with the film and experience it at a much more intense rate. The viral investment of these projects led to some memorable examples, such as the 7-Eleven Quickie Mart transformation for the Simpsons movie, the extensive Cloververse campaign, and the www.whysoserious.com thread for The Dark Knight. Perhaps inspired by his past work on the legendary 2008 Cloverfield alternate reality game and the success of the Dark Knight promotional campaign, Matt Reeves once again utilized the in-game world of the film through the internet to expand on the world of The Batman. Following a similar set of clues that Batman does in the film through symbols found in the different trailers released since 2020, viewers can find a fully functioning www.rataalada.com, seemingly run by the Riddler. By solving three riddles, you can gain access to classified GCPD witness sketches of Batman, along with other promo art from the film. By returning to this website and answering more riddles based on the plot of the film, more videos, pictures, and concept pieces would be revealed until the release date of the movie. 
Additionally, after being prompted to return to the website by the end credits teaser at the end of the Batman, and of course after solving another riddle, you could find another message left behind from the Riddler to you, his devout follower, reading, You think I'm finished, but perhaps you don't know the full truth. Every ending is a new beginning. Something is coming. Finally, still keeping with the in-game themes and consistent timelines, visiting the Rada Alada website now, will show you the GCPD has seized the domain and are investigating it further after the arrest of the Riddler. I am actually a super big fan of these kinds of guerrilla film promotional ARG marketing schemes for movies, but uh, even me, I mean, somebody who's obsessed with all that Cloverfield ARG stuff, uh, you would have thought I would have known anything about the Rata Alada website, uh, and especially because it's Matt Reeves. Uh, but I had no idea about this until after I had actually seen the movie. What What about you? Did you know about this stuff going on? No, because um, our buddy Fritz and I went to go see it, and on the walk home from the movie, like after seeing during the credits, mm-hmm. uh, it pop up. We were like, oh, we better check that out and see what's going on with that. And so tried for days to solve the riddles and decided we were too stupid to do so. So <laughs> I was, I was going to uh, try to solve them today, but... As we said before, if you go there now, you get a fun little Gotham police message, but everything I read about them was that they were insanely easy, so I don't know how you That's and Fritz so, were well, walking the first around. one we got immediately. The first one we got, like, no problem. And I <laughs> but think then the other ones, you just couldn't crack the, it? No, we just couldn't get past the second one. So, uh, for anybody who did these at home, sorry that I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You would have been absolutely bomb collar exploded if you were in that Riddler situation. Oh, 100%. Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, what do you got this week? This week, I have to recommend something that'll make me sound like an absolute basic person, but I have been just loving my Call of Duty Cold War time, if I'm being honest. I think that I'm... I've only had it for like a week, but I've just been going hard on that zombies and there's really nothing like a satisfying version of Nazi zombies. I got to say, I, uh, I wouldn't buy this game at full price ever for sure, but I got it for like dirt cheap and it is 100% worth, uh, just screwing around an, another version of Nuketown for a while, you know? So, and with all the free DLC, I think it's definitely worth it. Um, exactly. You and I should get on sometime because that'd I, be really fun. I was going to say, it's a lot of fun just booting up zombies with randos, but like if I had a strategy and I'm like talking to the people like you, then we I might actually have a chance of surviving longer. So I think maybe, uh, maybe we'll do broadcasting live from uh, a zombie war zone at some point and we'll do <laughs> something like that. Do you have a, do you have a favorite map that you've been playing? Honestly, I tried out the the base one, the one that's uh, knocked but all redone, and yeah. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, but I haven't touched a regular Zombies map since I tried that Outbreak mode. I've been loving the Outbreak mode, Garrett. Yeah, it's really fun. I that think it's, is... it's a different play every time. I think that's what the appeal yeah. is there. Definitely. I, I like that it's huge maps that you get to bounce around. I like that it's not necessarily waves, but you kind of roam around and find big packs of zombies to come get you. It's 
it's very different, but I, I enjoy it a hell of a lot. And I, I think we're going to, we're going to get on there together. I got to do, it's got to be worth like the 250 gigabytes that this thing is taking up <laughs> on my so system. Big, so dude. I got to play with somebody else who has it. Well, what do you got this week, Garrett? We've got some real normie stuff going on right now because <laughs> oh, yeah? I'm going to recommend the escape room movies. Really? Are... The escape room movies. I love, you know this about me, stupid B-movies. I sure. love them. Don't we all? And, you know, your Megs. Actually, your Meg, that's not even really a good example because I don't think Meg leans stupid enough into, like, I like them when they get real dumb and are unapologetic about how <laughs> dumb they are. But they also kind of know, you know? And sure, I think that's sure. what Escape Room hits really, really well. I've never seen the Escape Room movies, plural, which is an absolute mind-blowing piece of information that they made a second one of those. <laughs> but I I was interested when it came out because it looked fun enough. It, to me, it looks a lot like, do you remember the Belko experiment? I do. I think it's not that dark. The thing that is mm. I like about these Escape Room movies, here's what I'm going to... You know that I don't necessarily like violence for violence's sake. That's like sure. kind of one of my issues, like... Even though I like a slasher movie from time to time, it's not necessarily something that I, like, really enjoy. Right. Like, Halloween Kills, that was not for me. But, like, uh, Scream, I understand. Scream, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> the best. So, Escape Room, what I really like about it is that it has this commitment to its theme, to its mm. premise. It's, like, it's not nearly as smart as it wants to be, certainly. But we're going to have these fun little puzzle rooms. Where it's an, it's an escape room that's trying to kill you. And we've got characters that are, like, cursorily written. It doesn't really matter who they are. They each have their one personality trait that mm -hmm. either pays off uh, by killing them or pays off by saving them okay. in whatever room they're in. And it does not revel in their death. That's what I really like about it. It doesn't devolve into torture porn the way that similar series do, like a Saw or a Final Destination, mm. where... It's just like, oh, see how clever, like, look at all the ways we can, like, strap these girls into tanning beds and, like, blow them up or whatever, you know? <laughs> sure. Uh, there's, there's like, your your Cube, you know, the Cube movies? I've not seen the Cube movies. It's, Tell me about those. It's a lot like the Escape Room concept, I think. It's, it's a little, it's the darker version of Escape Room, more or less, where it's just, like, a maze of Cube rooms that have a deadly thing in each one and you have to get through it or whatever, but... It's a little more having a lot more fun with like, hey, let's splash this dude with a pool of acid and watch him melt. Yeah, see, quick. that's not and, like, and not that there isn't a little bit of that. There is like, it's still a, I would call it more thriller than horror, but it's still sure. definitely like people die in the escape yeah, room. And, obviously. And that's the whole thing. It's like you die because of the traps or whatever, right? And yeah. And like uh, fire and stuff. I don't know if there's any actors that you would know in either of them. Tyler Labine, who... I the only thing that he's coming to my brain right now is the uh he's the patient zero in the rise of the planet of the apes the one that, the lab oh. tech that gets infected oh damn um, dude i Tucker it's been and Dale a while. versus evil he's the one that's not Alan Tudyk oh sure yeah 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 Deborah Ann Wool aka Karen from Daredevil they're both oh, in sure. uh nice okay. they're both in the first escape room and so it's a like it's a fun time they have stupid mindless fun it's it's nothing but yeah. like just kind of enjoying the little setups and payoffs and, and little puzzles and and feeling either 
like smug because you're like, yeah, obviously this is the solution, guys. Come on. Or the the answer to the escape room is so convoluted that you're like, how would anybody ever humanly get that because it makes <laughs> yeah. no sense? But that's the fun of it. If there's anything you need to know about either of the escape room movies, it's that in the second movie called Escape Room Tournament of Champions, there's a moment about 20 minutes into the film where one of the characters turns to all the other character goes, wait, is this some kind of tournament of champions? I'm in. Like, Sold. It's, I lo- <laughs> it's the exact tone of the whole movie. Like that's I love it. Self-aware enough to just have some fun, but it sounds like they're taking it seriously enough where I'm going to love watching somebody like get cut in half by a laser grid or something. You're more right than you know. You are more right than you know, Chance Conley. Oh, love it, love it, love it. All right, I'm in. But yeah, that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference on Nightmare Alley, as promised. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bradley Cooper, Oscar worthy. Um, someday we will cover Nightmare <laughs> Alley, I think. But um, I think until then, we're just going to keep saying we're covering Nightmare Alley. Yeah, until... can't wait. We're having Guillermo on next week to cover yeah, Nightmare Alley perfect. with us. It's going to be a blast. But yeah, if you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Uh, also at PCR underscore podcast on TikTok and Instagram. You can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever you're listening, give it a subscribe, a rating, a like, a comment. Any way you can engage with us, it really helps us. In terms of what we're actually doing next week, that's kind of a big old shrug right now because we thought the Uncharted movie was going to be streaming by now and it's not. So yeah, so it's gonna it's a little bit of a toss up. Hell, maybe we will do Nightmare Alley. You don't maybe. know us. You, yeah. you don't you don't know. Tune in for maybe Nightmare Alley next week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We we were kind of kicking around everything everywhere all at once, which I would love to talk. Oh, about. that that yeah, maybe that might be it. Maybe we'll. Say screw it and actually do West Side Story again. Who knows? I almost bought a 4K of it yesterday. Who just, knows? Just talk. I mean, hey, we, we've got more to say, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of different options. I'm excited for all of them. And uh, tune in uh, in the next four weeks for Nightmare Alley. Bless. Adios, amigos. some of the worst Spanish I ever heard. That was a great, that was a great joke at the Batman.